0: section nine of history of henry the fourth king of france and navarre by john stephens cabot abbott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter three the marriage part three henry with his retinue was slowly travelling toward paris unconscious of his mother's sickness when the unexpected tidings arrived of her death it is difficult to imagine what must have been the precise nature of the emotions of an ambitious young man in such an event who ardently loved both his mother and the crown which he wore as by the loss of the one he gained the other the cloud of his grief was embellished with the gilded edgings of joy the prince of bearn now assumed the title and the style of the king of navarre and honoured the memory of his noble mother with every manifestation of regret and veneration this melancholy event caused the postponement of the marriage ceremony for a short time as it was not deemed decorous that epithalamiums should be shouted and requiems chanted from the same lips in the same hour the knell tolling the burial of the dead would not blend harmoniously with the joyous peals of the marriage bell henry was not at all annoyed by this delay for no impatient ardour urged him to his nuptials marguerite annoyed by the opposition which henry's mother had expressed in regard to the alliance and vexed by the utter indifference which her betrothed manifested toward her person indulged in all the wayward humours of a worse than spoiled child she studiously displayed her utter disregard for henry which manifestations with the most provoking indifference he did not seem even to notice. During this short interval the Protestant nobles continued to flock to Paris that they might honour with their presence the marriage of the young chief. The admiral Coligny was by very special exertions on the part of Catherine and Charles lured to the metropolis. He had received anonymous letters warning him of his danger many of his more prudent friends openly remonstrated against his placing himself in the power of the perfidious queen coligny however was strongly attached to henry and in defiance of all these warnings he resolved to attend his nuptials i confide said he in the sacred word of his majesty upon his arrival in the metropolis catherine and charles lavished upon him the most unbounded manifestations of regard the king, embracing the admiral, exclaimed, This is the happiest day of my life. Very soon one of the admiral's friends called upon him to take leave, saying that he was immediately about to retire into the country. When asked by the admiral the cause of his unexpected departure, he replied, I go because they caress you too much, and I would rather save myself with fools than perish with sages. At length the nuptial day arrived. It was the 17th of August, 1572. Paris had laid aside its mourning weeds, and a gay and brilliant carnival succeeded its dismal days of gloom. Protestants and Catholics of highest name and note from every part of Europe, who had met in the dreadful encounters of a hundred fields of blood, now mingled in apparent fraternity with the glittering throng, all interchanging smiles and congratulations. The unimpassioned bridegroom led his scornful bride to the church of Notre Dame. Before the massive portals of this renowned edifice, and under the shadow of its venerable towers, a magnificent platform had been reared, canopied with the most gorgeous tapestry. Hundreds of thousands thronged the surrounding amphitheatre, swarming at the windows, crowding the balconies, and clustered upon the housetops to witness the imposing ceremony the gentle breeze breathing over the multitude was laden with the perfume of flowers banners and pennants and ribbons of every varied hue waved in the air or hung in gay festoons from window to window and from roof to roof upon that conspicuous platform in the presence of all the highest nobility of france and of the most illustrious representatives of every court of europe henry received the hand of the haughty princess and the nuptial oath was administered marguerite however even in that hour and in the presence of all those spectators gave a ludicrous exhibition of her girlish petulance and ungoverned wilfulness when in the progress of the ceremony she was asked if she willingly received henry of bourbon for her husband she pouted coquettishly tossing her proud head and was silent the question was repeated the spirit of marguerite was now roused and all the powers of europe could not tame the shrew she fixed her eyes defiantly upon the officiating bishop and refusing by look or word or gesture to express the slightest assent remained as immovable as a statue embarrassment and delay ensued her royal brother charles the ninth fully aware of his sister's indomitable resolution coolly walked up to the termagant at bay and placing one hand upon her chest and the other upon the back of her head compelled an involuntary nod the bishop smiled and bowed and acting upon the principle that small favours were gratefully received proceeded with the ceremony such were the vows with which henry and marguerite were united such is too often love in the palace the roman catholic wife unaccompanied by her protestant husband who waited at the door with his retinue now entered the church of notre dame to participate in the solemnities of the mass the young king of navarre then submissively received his bride and conducted her to a very magnificent dinner catherine and charles the ninth at this entertainment were very specially attentive to the protestant nobles the weak and despicable king leaned affectionately upon the arm of the Admiral Coligny, and for a long time conversed with him with every appearance of friendship and esteem. Balls, illuminations, and pageants ensued in the evening. For many days these unnatural and chilling nuptials were celebrated with all the splendor of national festivities. Among these entertainments there was a tournament, singularly characteristic of the times, and which certainly sheds peculiar lustre either upon the humility or upon the good nature of the protestants a large area was prepared for the display of one of those barbaric passes of arms in which the rude chivalry of that day delighted the enclosure was surrounded by all the polished intellect rank and beauty of france charles the ninth with his two brothers and several of the catholic nobility Then appeared upon one side of the arena on noble war horses, gorgeously caparisoned, and threw down the gauntlet of defiance to Henry of Navarre and his Protestant retinue, who, similarly mounted and accoutred, awaited the challenge upon the opposite side. The portion of the enclosure in which the Catholics appeared was decorated to represent heaven birds of paradise displayed their gorgeous plumage and the air was vocal with the melody of trilling songsters beauty displayed its charms arrayed in celestial robes and ambrosial odours lulled the senses in luxurious indulgence all the resources of wealth and art were lavished to create a vision of the home of the blessed the protestants in the opposite extreme of the arena were seen emerging from the desolation the gloom and the sulphurous canopy of hell the two parties from their antagonistic realms rushed to the encounter the fiends of darkness battling with the angels of light gradually the catholics in accordance with previous arrangements drove back the protestants toward their grim abodes when suddenly numerous demons appeared rushing from the dungeons of the infernal regions who with cloven hoofs and satanic weapons and chains forged in penal fires seized upon the protestants and dragged them to the blackness of darkness from whence they had emerged plaudits loud and long greeted this discomfiture of the protestants by the infernal powers but suddenly the scene is changed a winged cupid appears the representative of the pious and amiable bride marguerite The demons fly in dismay before the irresistible boy. Fearlessly this emissary of love penetrates the realms of despair. The Protestants by this agency are liberated from their thraldom and conducted in triumph to the Elysium of the Catholics. A more curious display of regal courtesy history has not recorded, and this was in Paris. Immediately after the marriage, the Admiral Coligny was anxious to obtain permission to leave the city his devout spirit found no enjoyment in the gaieties of the metropolis and he was deeply disgusted with the unveiled licentiousness which he witnessed everywhere around him day after day however impediments were placed in the way of his departure and it was not until three days after the marriage festivities that he succeeded in obtaining an audience with charles he accompanied charles to the racket court where the young monarch was accustomed to spend much of his time and there bidding him adieu left him to his amusements and took his way on foot toward his lodgings the pope not aware of the treachery which was contemplated was much displeased in view of the apparently friendly relations which thus suddenly sprung up between the catholics and the protestants he was exceedingly perplexed by the marriage and at last sent a legate to expostulate with the french king charles the ninth was exceedingly embarrassed how to frame a reply he wished to convince the legate of his entire devotion to the papal church, and at the same time he did not dare to betray his intentions, for the detection of the conspiracy would not only frustrate all his plans, but would load him with ignominy and vastly augment the power of his enemies. I do devoutly wish, Charles replied, that I could tell you all, but you and the Pope shall soon know how beneficial this marriage shall prove to the interests of religion. Take my word for it, in a little time the Holy Father shall have reason to praise my designs, my piety, and my zeal in behalf of the faith. End of section nine.